0: Hello, this is Michelle Weston with Learning Curves 2.0, Talk Radio for Women. I'm going to talk to you guys about chronic conditions, but you know I always have a special guest because a conversation with someone who is an expert or a patient or caregiver is always informative And there's so many people out there who have so much information that I want to share that with you guys across the country and around the world, because I know there's people in London and in Europe that are listening. So you never know. With Learning Curves 2.0, it's about the conversation of having a chronic condition and lifestyle changes that need to occur, want to occur, would be helpful if they happened. For people to consider—that's why I also have integrative people. But today I have Seema Khan, MD, from the West Coast or the Left Coast, as I like to call it. Many of us on the East Coast like to call you that. We're very—we're very odd, but we do. And uh, Seema is a patient advocate who turned into a patient advocate from being a full-time doctor. And Seema, yes, tell us about. A transition of why and when you decided patient advocacy was calling your name for your skills.
1: I would love to. <laughs> I, <laughs> I am an OBGYN. I still do some medical OB- OBGYN work. So, but it's very small compared to the advocacy that I do. But I, as medicine has become first of all, more and more complicated. There's just more information and more options and no one person can keep track of it. Secondly, as the uh, business of medicine has you know, created such a stronghold in medicine to its detriment, I will say, editorial comment, which you can quote. Agreed, agreed. Quote, feel free to quote me. Please
0: agreed. It is a time of... Confusion and
1: a very very difficult landscape to it is. be in. So I felt like I I couldn't address all the issues of the patients who I saw, and I couldn't address the whole person. I felt like the patients were on a conveyor belt, you know, going by me, and my area that I did on the conveyor belt was the pelvis, and I could kind of fix that up, and on off they went. And it became untenable for me. So I left it without really knowing what I was going to do. But I thought I had invented this brilliant thing where I could help people navigate the medical system. So I worked with a... You're co- so clever. You are so, <laughs> so clever. Sensitive. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yes. had a
0: great minds think alike.
1: Yeah, exactly. So... I was working with a career coach who is a physician who helps physicians and nurses figure out what do they want to do next. And sometimes that's, you know, become a musician. It's not always something related to medical care. But um, I explained to him what this thing that I thought I wanted to do, helping people navigate the system. And he said, oh, yeah, I just read an article about that. And um let me connect you to the person who the article was about that article was about Joanna Smith who started the National Association of Healthcare Advocacy i would say one of the sort of the founders of the advocacy as a career movement in the US and so he connected me to her and as i love to say the rest is history because I got connected to others who were doing this and found out I was not the person who invented this brilliant idea. So <laughs> that's how I got into it.
0: That is so funny. <laughs> I just got I had the privilege, how, how, how irony is irony, I just had the privilege of speaking with Joanna Smith because I had a challenging case who was looking at end of life and wow. she's in Oregon and... They do not have a residency requirement in right. Oregon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so um a patient with stage four cancer was looking at that. And I wanted because you know everyone has their speciality. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna address patient advocacy the same way that you are. Exactly. Um, we're coming at it from our our strengths. And Joanne, I really wanted Joanne to talk to her about what it meant, why, you know, now there is an organization, there's a directory of, right. and it's, it's become yes a very organized, and she's, a, she's a nurse. So she, again, another healthcare team member, she knew, and um, it made a difference to yes. have someone who just is right. really steeped within it. Because, it should it should always be the last frontier it should be about quality of life always and you want people to be really really clear yes and right yes. i mean you really do so yeah, uh, joanna's totally. pretty amazing so yeah. there's a lot of us y- you and i know we're part yeah. of you know um you know the national association of health care advocacy. advocacy yeah and and it's important to understand you can get a hold of a patient advocate in a directory, there's a couple we know right. NAC, we know. Um, I know there's greater one Greater
1: National Ch- Advocates.
0: Greater National, is that the Chicago yes. one? Greater yep. national mm-hmm. advocates. Mm-hmm. So we love greater national advocates. And you know what? I'll make sure I put it up on my site for all you to know. Because if you're looking for someone as a caregiver, um you and uh, you should know. Who, who's out there and who's how, to in your area, yes. how to find them and also what yeah. their pedigree is. And, yes. you know, you're looking for the best fit. It's just like a doctor. You're yes. looking for the best fit. You know, if you see a doctor and that fit isn't right, even there's lots of really wonderful, brilliant doctors, but not every fit is the absolutely. best fit correct? That's so true. Yes. And I you know I think people think oh, I can't I don't want to insult the doctor. You're yes. not insulting the doctor. I know.
1: I am always telling people that Please. don't worry about insulting the doctor. They're going to be just fine. Do They're not really... worry about it. It's <laughs> all you... about you. Don't worry right. about that. And
0: you need sometimes a second or a third opinion. Yes. And sometimes absolutely. you need one of us to come into a meeting when you're getting the results of tests or you're getting a diagnosis because there's so much coming at you. Yes. You know, it's about two sentences and then I think people just stop hearing. They just stop. I think you're right. Right. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think they're processing and there's so much spinning around that if I'm sitting or you're sitting behind them taking notes and we can, you know, write those down and send them to you via email you have an opportunity to read them. We can also stop a doctor. Hate to say right. that, but I've oh. been known, right? I do it all the time. <laughs> well, you're a doctor. Wait. Right, a doctor, right. I'm a doctor <laughs> but I'm a doctor's daughter, and I will. When I think a doctor, and I don't always think they're doing it consciously, I think that sometimes they just talk over someone. Yes. Um, I will say, Dr. Smith, I think Miss Jones isn't clear on what you're asking her to do yes. for the next six months. Yes,
1: yes.
0: Could you reframe that? For her. Absolutely. And sometimes they'll get upset and they'll be like, well, and I'll say, look, everybody speaks a different language and you are so knowledgeable that sometimes we just need to take it down some pegs because I'm sure that Miss 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 Jones would really like to be able to do what you're asking her to understand
1: and do it. Yes. Absolutely. You know, because we
0: see, well, you and I know patients shake their head yes when we want them to comply. And then they really mean this. I have no idea what you're talking Uh,
1: about. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I always say part of advocacy is being the diplomatic mission between the doctor and the patient because you just have to translate for both of them back and forth. And it's, you know, it's, they don't unnecessarily understand each other. So you've got to make sure they both, each party knows what the other is really saying. So, yeah, I, um, I was just talking today about um, uh, someone who is a doctor whose partner is having a major medical issue. And the I know from my experience with my family that when it's my family, my doctor brain just goes away. <laughs> it, it's gone. I, I I cannot think like a doctor, maybe with a lot of effort and prodding effort over time. But, you know, you think like the the child of that person or whatever. So I, yeah, I I need an advocate as much as anybody when it's my family member who is having the health problem. So, yeah, I can't I can't stress enough how helpful it is to have an advocate.
0: And, yeah. And today we have People with chronic conditions, more than one. Yeah. So it could be obesity and diabetes. It could be heart disease and blood pressure. You know, there's a lot of things that suddenly you're confronted with a couple of things that you have to address.
1: Right. Often more than one. And you know, I want to um, I want to go back to something you said a little earlier that you know we we come with our strengths. We I have deficits in my knowledge also. I I don't I don't know and I don't want to know about dealing with insurance companies. Me, nope. I yeah, really don't want to. And there are people who are so good at it and they really like it. And so I am always referring people to other advocates for pieces of the work that I don't do and don't want to do. So yeah. That kind of brings me to how I got um to be so focused on complicated medical conditions. When I first started doing this, I thought, I have to be good at everything. I have to I have to know be able to handle everything, and it's just not true at all. And what I found somehow, I know it's my medical background, but what I love is these really bizarre, complicated medical issues, particularly medical mysteries or the things that are not well understood by doctors, except for a few specialists around the country or around the world. I just love that stuff. I don't know. It's intellectually stimulating. And the thing that is the most, the absolute most satisfying for me is to get the patient what they need In their medical care and so if i could do that it's you know it's just an incredibly great feeling so anyway so i've i've gotten this kind of niche i guess of weird medical problems (laughs) weird in terms of not a lot of people know about it even a lot of doctors don't know about it some of them are things like if you think about um diagnoses like chronic fatigue which people didn't believe in before doctors didn't believe in it and you know it's actually real and um in fact now um we say with covid what has been the good thing about covid is that now the medical system is realizing that long covid this is kind of what people have been talking about for a long time but it was all it was not understood And we couldn't figure out why it happened. And so people were dismissed or told it was on their head. And now we have this big cohort of people who have these illnesses. So it's been this incredible boon for people who have, you know, what I'm calling the, you know, sort of the weird medical conditions, the things that are not as well understood. But now a lot of people have it. And we know why, because they got covid and it's being studied. So it's just, I mean, it's fabulous. But I mean, fabulous is being understood. Not fabulous, of course, that a lot of people have it.
0: No, fabulous because if people are finally taking note that this is actually serious. You know, yep. did we we had to have a pandemic for people to understand that illness can leave a trail. It can leave a trail exactly. in your body, right? Yes. I mean, you know, when people, you know, with me and my MS, so neurological chronic fatigue, Neurofatigue yes. is real. I mean, your brain literally gets tired. It your neurosystem goes, I'm done. You know, and it's different for everybody, but yes, fatigue in chronic conditions is very very real, and I'm very as real. you said. I'm very glad that now there are cohorts working at different hospitals in different yes. states and different countries. Yeah, to really explore, like what happens to people that exactly. never sort of goes away. It can yeah. pretty much go away, but they may have
1: this lingering. Yep, exactly, and yes. Yeah, so it's been great because those of us who are are you know talking in this whatever community of people dealing with patients with these. Um, sort of orphan diseases almost um, would say, okay, but does that person believe or not? Because if they don't believe they're not going to treat them. And now, now with long COVID, pretty much everybody believes. I mean, when we had so many people said they had brain fog in the past and it was like, what is brain fog? Well, now it's a symptom of long COVID and now Kind of everybody knows what it is.
0: And brain fog's real because I get brain
1: it's fog. It's <laughs> totally real. It's so real. And it's so great that we have, that it's acknowledged now.
0: Yeah. And so. it is. It's important. It's really yeah. important. to You know, it seems to be more, you know, um, much more um, neurological. It just seems to have affected that yes. system. You know, yep. I mean, you know, we know with neurological conditions that, it, you know, it, messages don't get to your feet or your hands or places that mm-hmm. are farther away from yep. the central nervous system yes. and as they get away you know why do I feel this way why am I so why can I not remember why is this so foggy and right mm-hmm. you know yeah. so it will help it will help a lot of people who've had this for yes. a long time totally absolutely right I mean yep. you know MS is one of those things that, you know, in the 1800s, they th- they felt that women need to be put into a sanitarium with MS. Exactly. Like, really? Yes. Because it's mm-hmm. really real.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Really not getting
0: messages yeah. to... Par- right. it, it is. It's interesting to for people to also understand now. It's like uh, there is an empathy for yes. something that was not understood because we're experiencing it in a bigger cohort, in a bigger group. Yes.
1: It's not just that... A- I mean, that's yes, a much bigger core, but also we had a discrete event, the pandemic. And after that, X percent of people had these this syndrome. Okay, now we know it's a post-viral syndrome. And anyway, it it just made a huge difference in terms of these things being acknowledged as real. And research on it and treatment. So, I am hopeful that we are going to come up with more and more treatments because now people know it's real. Yeah. And
0: what else do you like in complex cases what makes it complex is that you had started to say um it's something that doctors don't normally know how do you sort of do your homework when somebody comes to you
1: yeah, it, yeah.
0: and how do they find you because you're you've got a, a a specific niche
1: yeah I um I think that um people have really comp how do they find me when people have complicated things they um I do think that when you're searching for an advocate, if someone is an MD, they think that's going to make it so, though, so that, you know, you will be more aware of the medical stuff. So I think that's actually a positive, you know, I think there are plenty of people who are MDs who can do that. But I think when people see that I am an MD, it, um, it makes them more likely to contact me. Um, and I think that's true of you know all advocates that are MDs. Um I I think um, that yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure how I mean because there's nothing on in my on my website or anything. So it's probably it's word of mouth, but that says, you know, I like to deal with people with really complicated chronic uh conditions. So Um, but, and they take a lot of work. So that's probably good because it's, I don't want everybody who has it to come to me because I couldn't do it. I need to have enough, um, brain space that I can think about it, read contact, you know, contact people. So how do I learn about it? Well, when I first started being an advocate, I, I think that I, you know, I didn't know enough about these conditions. And I'll talk about some of them in a minute. But and I had a couple um, clients, and there are two I'm thinking of, um, you know, right off the bat early on, who had very unexplained symptoms. But what I am is I am dogged. And so I okay, you have this let's go to this expert in that and let's see what they say and okay let's go to the next expert in another piece of it and see what they say so i'm um i'm very yeah dogged i think is really a good word to describe it about you know let's keep figuring this out then um i don't remember at what point i um, I learned more about, um, you know, what's been called the trifecta of POTS, Ehlers-Danlos, and Mast Cell Activation Syndrome. So these are three um, conditions, which I'm not going to go into a long explanation of right now. But um, they um, are various systems of the body going awry. POTS is the um autonomic system malfunctioning mast cell activation is the uh, mast cells are what are allergies and um, histamine it it goes awry um Ehlers-Danlos has to deal with connective tissue but the um these are often they're seen together and after COVID, so long COVID, POTS is really pretty common as one of the long COVID symptoms. So people who have it, you know, maybe it's, I mean, we do know it's a lot of it's post-infectious, post-accident. There's maybe a genetic component, but either way, it's like these people who've had it forever who have been kind of dismissed, like, we don't know what to do with you, so could you please go away? Um, Now with, Long COVID. It's like, oh, people with long COVID get this. This is real. Let's figure it out. Anyway, I I just got more clients that had these things and read more and got connected to the associations and um and you know so got to know who were the experts in the country about this and so it's it just sort of grew so that now I um. You know, I'm not starting from zero when someone comes to me. I know like, okay, here's where we need to look for here's the expert you need to see for this. and um, and it's not, um, you know, it's not like that's true of every condition, but i I know how to research it and read literature and figure out who are the experts in this. And I'll call them. I mean, the thing I used to always say, I did I didn't like to play the doctor card. Well, now, for my clients, I am more than happy to call people and say, and press the, if you are a physician, press three, press. This is Dr. Khan. I want to talk to Dr. whoever it is. You know, so, um, I mean, I'll do, I'm pretty persistent. I will do what I need to for my clients.
0: You and I also talked about something which both of us are very strongly vocal on, which is advanced directives.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, um, I have told this story a lot of times, but I, when I was a young person in well, probably in high school, um, my, we had a session in my family where we sat around the dining room table and my parents had, you know, everything of pretty much of value that they had. And we went around and eat their three kids. We picked, what do we want when they die? <laughs> and it was just like, it wasn't a big deal. And my uh, parents had also had very, you know, very specific and kind of longish advanced directives. And we had a family trust, which doesn't mean we had wealth. That's just, it's a way to, you know, deal with your assets. So when you die, things work out well. Yes. and um, We have the same too. Yeah, so,
0: yeah, and um, it's not about money. It's I no. have a medical. I have a medical trust that my parents established because I was single, and yeah. it was a good idea to have a
1: medical Abs- trust. Yes, absolutely. And um, they had, you know, they had their power of attorney. They had their wills. My, they had long-term care insurance. Me too. And you know what? <laughs> but back then, a lot of and people,
0: sometimes yes. none of it ever gets to you be used. Yeah. Well, we use. But it. just in case. Yeah.
1: So, when my parents got their long-term care insurance, I said, "Why are you getting that? I would never put you in a nursing home." Well, my mom had Alzheimer's. Oh. we could not care for her at home. It was impossible. It was going to kill my dad. It was impossible. And what we had long-term care insurance, so we could um, you know, we looked at nursing homes and we picked a really great one where she lived the last, I don't know, probably seven years of her life. Wow, and it was great. perfect. So that was planned. And my dad had a pension, he worked for a state university. So it was all um, set up. And I thought we were normal in terms of that. We were not. And then um, in our, in my 20s, um, my brother is six years younger than me. So, you know, when we did that sit around the table, he was totally you know, like, screwed he you know he was too young to so we did it again wow yeah we redid it
0: you revisit it
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then when my um when my dad did die um my mom was still alive with her alzheimer's in the nursing home but we um we actually then ignored that and we just sat on the floor of our dining room with everything around us and we drew stress to see who'd pick first. And, you know, you pick the thing that's the most important to you. Anyway, so we did that. And and I you never along.
0: know. Something could be important to somebody else. And you're exactly. like, really? Yeah. So don't be surprised. It could be really, You people get very, like, you think it's, oh, the diamonds and the blah, blah. No, you'd be surprised. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, and I get along, my siblings and I are really close. Okay. So I thought, so that's how we dealt with it. And I thought that was the norm. And, of course, it turns out that is not the norm.
0: Now, you grew up in, in the Midwest, correct? Like Maine. I did, in
1: St. Louis. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I, so when I started doing this work, because I actually serve as the healthcare power of attorney for people who don't have someone, and I do um, help people with their advanced directives and, you know, all that kind of planning, I, I just thought, why are people afraid to talk about this? We... In my family, we weren't afraid to talk about it. So I now know that we are the exception. And in fact, just um, had a conversation with a friend last night who was talking about her in-laws who are in their 90s. And I don't, she doesn't even know. And she's very close to them. Has no idea who their power of attorney is. Who oh my goodness. Who their power of attorney is. Oh no. Um, where's, is there a will? Are, are there, there papers? Documents? Yeah. Oh, who knows? Anyway, the time is a clicking, Time's clicking. time is a clicking and not to scare are, people, but no, it is, but you just never know, but they're in their nineties.
0: My aunt know? is 84 and she has not done her will and watched her sister pass away a couple of years ago, my mother. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? What do you, nah. I mean, like, just sit down and do it. She's like, yeah, but you don't understand. I said, no, I do understand. I mm-hmm. did mine.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's people are afraid or um, with this family that I'm talking about, some of their children are, there's four children, some are, don't really want to think about their parents being gone. And so they keep putting it off. Like, we can deal with that in five years or. No,
0: No, you don't ever. Do you think any child ever wants to think about their parents gone? No. Do we ever think our parents are, you know, just not i mean no, I, my girlfriend just, just just her mother she's waiting her mother is ill with you know with cancer and she's now with her daughter in her house in in oregon again um and she says mom don't leave me i don't want to be an orphan it's like we all become mm-hmm. that at some point and mm-hmm. I, I i wish we had something else that we call people because we're not really orphans we're no yeah. You know, we've had the privilege of having our parents our whole lives, but yes. you know right. what I mean. Yes. But it's it's, it, but it's scary. You know, I mean, it's scary it yeah. is scary because your parents. It I mean, is. I still have moments myself. My mother's gone three years, and I sort of go, I can't call her. I mean, like New Year's Eve, the you know, at New Year's yeah. Eve, and the bell goes. I always called her and said Happy New Year at eleven eleven. When I look at the clock at night, I think of her because that was her favorite time 11 yes
1: that's funny you know um yeah I do know because I my um parents been gone 15 years and I still think god I can't call and ask them stuff someone asked me the other day were you a colicky baby like I have no idea I I mean I don't know I can't ask there's nobody to ask it's
0: very it's it there's but 20 year olds think that they're you know Indestructible. Yes. Yeah, they're yeah. invincible. And it's like, no, wouldn't you want to have an advanced directive that God forbid something happened? You were in a plane or crossing the street or something. The and proverbial bus, yes. Yeah, something, the bus, the bus. But even, you know, skiing, there's something, you know, you could go down a hill, you know, and something can happen. Wouldn't you want people to know, no. do not resuscitate if this? Do yes. You, not, you know, all yes. those things. I would want to still be in control because I would want people to be directed early. That's what an yes. advanced director is, early yes. to mm-hmm. say, this is what I'm requesting. You yes. Know? Mm-hmm. And. I think it's actually, I think it's actually um, more considerate to leave and have an advanced directive because then people know.
1: Exactly. We
0: hear, you and I hear about the story where parents, you know, intercede and they say, absolutely not. But let me just tell you, I don't think it's as many cases as, this is an advanced directive. And if you discussed it with your parents or your spouse or the person who is your proxy, who's your healthcare proxy, say, this is really what I want. I want you to understand why I want this. And this is why I'm requesting that this be followed. Yes, yes,
1: yes. And I think it really does make it easier. It makes it so much easier for your family, so much easier if they know what you want.
0: Yeah, because some people really listen. The, it seema, you know the the ideal situation when we get to the end of our lives is we should have a good death, and you yes, and I know that absolutely. from all of our classes. Yes. You know, Yeah. Narrative. Yeah. Narrative medicine is about the good death. Yep. And being able to see that, I want to be able for people to not remember someone in a state of craziness. In regards to what do we do? How do we do it? What do we yes. they want? You know what? What do I think? What sh- you know? I really want them to know. And just like Sima said, her three siblings sat around and went through things. Yes, things. In my family, we you know, my mother left certain things, but we had already stated that we wanted them. Yes, we didn't. We sort of didn't cross on those, which is kind of funny. But mm-hmm. you know, it's just important to direct people in advance. This is God forbid something happens. I would like you to know this is how I would like things right. to be.
1: The other thing that's important is that it can tear families apart dealing with the possessions, the estate afterwards. And that is that's tragic. So you know, don't do that to your children or your heirs. That's it's yeah, you know, please, you don't want them to end up hating each other and never speaking and that happens it actually happens
0: because you know what those are things she's talking about even in wills there's things i you know i understand you know it's money if you have more money there's more things i got it but in the end wouldn't you want to be able to do this you know that was the last thing that we said to our mother as she was leaving us we said we will look out for each other right and you can't do that if you're fighting
1: no, you really can't.
0: No, and you don't want to fight about things. And you mm-hmm. also don't want to fight about, you know, did this person want you to stop saving them in certain extremes? Yes, you know?
1: exactly. Because there's no
0: brain activity. Who right. the heck would want to be around?
1: I mean, and there are no some way. people who want that. Fine. But at least, you know, I mean, I don't think it's fine. I, I'm i not a proponent of that. but Yeah. In my work as the power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney for people, I will do, I would say, I have to channel you. I got to know what you want so I can do that. And if that's what you want, I will make that happen. I'm not a fan, but it's your choice. But it's nice that you can have your choice be what happens to you.
0: Yeah. And I, I do. I really, I think that people having a living will. That means the will mm-hmm. was, was was created when you were living. Alive. Yes, yes. <laughs> so that's what a living will is, right? <laughs> you have to give people things. What is a health proxy? Do people know that every state has a different health proxy format? You yes. can go online and enter health proxy and you can pull up your state. Now you're yep. saying, well, what if I left my state and I was in another state? That doesn't mean that there aren't similarities across the state. Right. But understand, some states are different. I'm in yeah. the East Coast in New- in uh, New York. It is different in Texas and Georgia. Okay, it's just right. different. You know, I mean,
1: right. And I don't know about every state. I do know about my state, which is Washington. And you can go online. You can get your your documents. They do yep. not need to be notarized. Nope. All you need is to have them signed. I tell people to notarize them because if you are in a state that does require it, you know, if you're traveling or whatever, and it's a state that requires it to be notarized, nice to have it. And it's easy to do. But you don't need a lawyer for this. You no. really don't. You, just, you, you just...
0: go to FedEx and they have people who notary. You know, it's Absolutely. Not, yeah. Yeah. yeah yep. it's, not, totally. it's not. It's not. It's yep. not brain surgery. UPS has people walk in. They have notaries there. Yep. Take it. Absolutely. Just make sure. Make sure that wherever it has your name, that last thing, don't sign it until you're in front of the notary, because exactly. you have to sign it in front of the yes. notary. So okay. choose one of the fifty-six signatures that you have to sign there. Make sure it's one that you're signing, that they see you sign and date it. And then it's yours and you give one to the lawyer and they stick it in their, in your file and you give one to the health proxy and make sure whoever you think, (laughs) you know, I mean, you know, it's just, those are things I want to be in control of not making god forbid there is you know there is an accident an emergency for people in that moment to have to think about this i just yes. I want them to go yes. okay michelle wanted us to do this right you know? yes. and there are people yes you are going to have some some people every once in a while you get a small group no we're going to keep them alive because there's new cure coming it's like okay okay yeah, yeah. But you
1: can you know you can say that you can state in your living will advanced directive same thing you can state what you want and it doesn't it, it doesn't say if my kids decide that I, they i they want to keep me alive because there's something coming in 5 years it no it's you know the the document is what should be followed and you're, you're choose your healthcare proxy carefully because they're the ones that have to enforce it. Yeah. So, you know, if there are a bunch of siblings and one wants to keep mom alive at all costs, the proxy actually is the it's one. To you, yeah. They
0: get to override. They do. Say, this is what that it is. It's important. Look, you know, um, my husband, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm newly married. He is great being the executor, uh-huh. but He's a catastrophizer and I wouldn't want to put him in that. I just wouldn't want to do it. He worries about the dog. Yeah. So I wouldn't want to put him in that position, you know, and you also have to decide if you're in a state that's not where your siblings are, you know, then make the decision who would I like who's here that doesn't mean that the first or second person could not be your sister who's in another state or your brother's right. in another state but right. i have a friend of mine who's a nurse who's in this state mm-hmm. and knows the rules and a friend who's a social mm-hmm. uh, who's a social worker because it's I, they know me long enough and they know me right. as an adult. I mean, you yes. know, my siblings know me
1: when I left kid. to
0: go to went to yeah. college and then I yeah. moved yeah. and I've been yeah. in New York forever and they're in Michigan and mm-hmm. Chicago. So we we don't always know what we want as adults mm-hmm. and right. I, yeah. It, 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 look, my brother was amazing with my mom. He really was the, you know, he was the health proxy and he honored it. And we had conversations. He said, This is what's going on. And mom doesn't want this, but do we want to try this for a couple of days to see if she gets better breathing wise right, and eating right. wise? We gave it three days. And, you know, after three days, we had a conversation with her. You know, Stephen went and had a conversation with her and, you know, sh- People have the right to a good death. And I know that sounds yes. morbid. It's not. It's so not morbid. It's
1: not. A no, good death is so nice. It's really nice. And it's beautiful.
0: You know, if we could all have it in, in at home, even with hospice, but be at home, I right. think everyone wishes for that. I mean, if you yeah. could go in your sleep, man, that would be like the
1: ideal yeah. situation. Yeah.
0: But what if what if something happened and you didn't have that luxury? Right. You know. Yeah.
1: I um I often talk about um well really one of the things that got me really kind of pushed me to do this some of this work this healthcare proxy and you know uh um end of life planning is um uh Chanel Reynolds and her the website is g y s t It's .org or .com, and I don't remember, but anyway, G-Y-S-T. G-Y-S-T,
0: okay, uh .org or .com.
1: Yeah, I can't remember. Okay. Anyway, so, and she is, she actually spoke at a NAC conference a number of years ago. Um,
0: So she's a patient advocate as well.
1: She's not a patient advocate. She is a end-of-life planning advocate. Okay, Mm -hmm. EOL planning. Okay. Mm -hmm. So her story, which is on her blog and in book. And, you know, so it's not, this is not, I'm not uh, sharing any medical information that is not all over. Um, and plus she talks about it in her, um, in her talks. Um, she was, I think she was in her late thirties with a maybe two-year-old son and a 10-year-old stepdaughter. And her husband was maybe 40, and um, they lived actually quite close to where I live in Seattle. He um, was going out on a bike ride. And he she wanted him to take the young son with him because, you know, it's nice to get two-year-olds out of your hair for a while, right? <laughs> so, but anyway, he just, he he wouldn't, he couldn't, he refused. So anyway, fine. So he went on his bike ride she went to a party of some kind you know an event and um either phone was off or um didn't hear it and when she looked at her phone after a while saw that it was just it was just loaded with messages uh uh-uh. and what happened was her husband had gotten hit by a truck Come on his on. bike and he was in in the hospital um, in the ICU. And um, thankfully the kid was with her and not him. And the husband, her husband never regained consciousness. And um, they eventually took him off life support and he died. And they were young, right? They had nothing. They had You know, they had a will partly done. They had some of the stuff done, but nothing signed. They had, you know, they didn't know each other's passwords. I mean, nothing. They were completely, she was completely unprepared. And so it kind of became her mission. Like, you never know when this is going to happen to you. So get your...
0: Get your life in order.
1: Get your, well, her G-Y-S-T is... Get your together.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that i I S A. I'm gonna have to find that and put it yeah. up for people because that's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's so, great. So um, you know, like don't don't what happen to you, what happened to me. Yeah. So um yeah, I think it's really I mean, they were young, they were healthy, they were fine, but you just never know.
0: Yeah, you don't. And you have to you have to be, you know, be cognizant, especially because they had children. Yes. You know, and yeah. you know, you don't have to give all the passwords, but put it somewhere. If you don't want to give the person the passwords, give the person, give it to the lawyer and say, here's the password. You know, all my phone has, my iPhone has things in the um, notes, but you know, it's written. What the password is, so Mm -hmm. you know the executor can get in there. Yes, you know, which is important. (laughs) No, you do not have to like give it to them and worry about people going through your phone. Don't worry about that, but make sure that it's in the records. You know, right? It's
1: accessible. Yeah, yeah, you know, and someone knows, and that you have somebody, you have a will, you have, you know, some way that people know what it is that you want. What do you have? What do you want done? You know, she couldn't. You know, as the surviving spouse, she um, it wasn't an issue of that she couldn't get eventually access to bank accounts, everything. But it took so much time and pain it's and so energy Ugh. because you know she wasn't, she didn't have any passwords. She didn't. She wasn't listed in anything, and. Anyway, so don't let that happen to you.
0: Yeah. It, it, and it's, we're being very serious, guys. I know you're poo-pooing some of you out mm-hmm. there. Please don't. Just hear us in the back of your mind. And just remember, we are not here forever. And we definitely want to make sure that people know what we want. And don't just right. assume that they do. Don't, Please don't assume. Yeah,
1: do <laughs> not assume don't. that they do. Right.
0: Oh, especially with chronic conditions and with health issues, you know, it, it, it could be that they've gone through all that for decades, but right. this particular conversation that a patient advocate can help you, that a end-of-life planning person can help you with, these conversations I'm having with you, not to scare you, I'm having these conversations with all of these experts because I want you to understand that you have help in doing it. It's not something that you have to like go figure out by yourself. It's an opportunity to take action ownership of yourself it's like what I say Seema in regards to having a chronic illness you know the doctors are there to help you with the medicine part of it but you you have to look at where do I need to make lifestyle changes or lifestyle shifts to give me the best quality of my life right and you want to be able to do that you know it's, yep. it's important. It's really important. Why am I looking the way I look after 22 years with MS? Because I made choices on diet, nutrition, learned about that. I added exercise and found one that I liked that would help me. You know, I worked on stress because having a chronic condition is stressful. Stressful. Yes. And the last thing we need, Sema, is patients that are stressed. You know, and, and teaching them that meditation is not, you know, there's the, there's the hat of, these are things that now I do for health and wellness coaching, along with patient advocacy. Right. It's important. You know, when I say, you know, a meditation is a good idea to de-stress yourself. I don't care if you like, think you have to cross your legs and do it formally. You don't. Take a walk outside Mm -hmm. for 20 minutes, just go into the park or walk around the lake or just go somewhere that you can be with yourself for 15 20 minutes that can take all that down mm-hmm. and you can return to you because chronic conditions take a lot that's why i speak to caregivers as well because it's hard on the caregiver
1: very very right? hard
0: mm-hmm. and do you do you find that with caregivers do you ever get um contacted by someone who oh needs yes that? okay
1: yeah yeah is that I normally? Think, yeah, is that normally a um a spouse or a it, it spouse sort of runs or um parent. It can be a spouse, a child, a parent, a very close friend. Okay. Um those are the most common. Um but just knowing that you know that you have, and that's a place where Having an advocate is really helpful for the caregiver because you don't have to make all the decisions yourself. You don't have to know everything. You have someone helping guide you. It's an amazing responsibility to be a caregiver. An amazing responsibility.
0: And I know, you know, I spoke a little bit about my friend who was diagnosed with with cancer after having catalumpic me and seven years ago for breast cancer. And now being diagnosed with, um, with a hundred tumors in her liver. Ah. Yeah. Hello. How did that, you know, like, first of all, I have issues. So I have issues yeah. because seven years went by and no oncologist had you check in once a year to have oh. blood work. Nothing. No, no, seriously. Nothing. Yeah. What the heck was that? And she was in San Francisco for goodness sake. It wasn't like she was in the back roads of a cornfield. Right. I was, <laughs> But I just, I didn't understand. So that's important for you to understand. Her friend, because she is divorced, she's been divorced a long time and her son is 41 and he's on the West Coast, but her friend of 40 odd years was her caregiver and came up and Mm. was here in New York helping her. Sometimes that, you know, she was unbelievably helpful and contacted me to talk about things that patient advocates would know because that's why I had people speak to her because sometimes you think oh I'm looking at this but in the end the doctor she thought because of the amount of pain and what was going on and that's not how she lived her life at all she was a spiritual Mm -hmm. teacher and that's just not at all how she saw this right um she was looking at end of life And looking at that, you have to know a lot of things. You know, we only have one state, Oregon, who you do not have to be a resident.
1: resident, yes.
0: But you have to prove that you are sane of mind. You have to do a lot of things. You have to have hospice care before you go to make sure that they understand that you're managing your pain. But it's ironic that she went to the doctor and was just telling him, like the day before she was going with the closest people to her with her to Oregon. And he said, I don't think you understand. You are one in a thousand cases. You are the case that your liver is back to normal. It's yeah. Back to normal. And is this the time for you to look at end of life? Maybe you have a book to write. Maybe you have some more speaking to do because that's what Mm. she does. And right now she had to send out. Thankfully she's gracious enough and understands. Um it was a chain, you know, winds of change. And she is hmm. here and she did not go because there is the opportunity for her to have some more time without that pain. Yes. Without right. what she thought yeah. in stage four, we know. Yeah. But how you know, this is when if you had a patient advocate with you, if you had a person who yes. asked more, excuse me, more questions of yes. the doctor, right. you know, she was like, why didn't the doctor tell me this a couple of months ago? Yeah. I said, because doctors, especially oncologists are working in a very tenuous area and they don't always know what's going to occur. Are you going to be the one in a thousand, right? right. Or is this going to take a different direction? They're going to try things, but they want to see. So they don't want to, they don't want to overpromise you because right. they would hate to disappoint you and to to send you, you know, on the wrong direction. But having a patient advocate, and that's what her friend became sitting there
1: right asking
0: yes. questions, yep. you know, and we talked about it. I said, this is what you need to do. This is what she needs to do. You need to write questions down because you want to be able to. I always say to people, I don't know how you feel about this, Seema. I always say to people, I want you to utilize me. But what I really want is for you to become your own advocate. I yes. want you to understand that you have to advocate for you. And you can say no. And you can say, I don't understand. And you can say, slow down.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. You can do that. absolutely,
0: Right? And yes. if they watch the patient advocate help them and see that, I think it changes the dynamic. and I think yes. we give them a strength they didn't know they had. You know, they always, right. they, look, I'm a doctor's daughter, you're a doctor. Doctors have clay feet, okay? They put on their <laughs> they do. they put on their socks. they put yes. on their socks the same way. They, you know, it's just these are things that everyone does. the president, down to the porter. okay, <laughs> But we, we have to remember that this is everyone does certain things the same and you need to make sure that you're clear and that you're accessing what you need you know i'm yes. glad that you're doing complex medical cases cuz i can't do them i love to read them in the new york times i love to right i love out those what too they, oh, I right love those. Yes. i love those i mean mm-hmm. for a layman they're great because you get to see the thought process of yes. how we go out of the box so yes. here's a thought a patient advocate is sort of an out-of-a-box thinker. Right. They were looking for things that may not have been thought about and yes. going, hmm, could right. we consider this, right? Yes. I mean, yes. I, I just thought about that. It's not like me having to, you know, a, a, you know a, it's like a brain fart, you know? You just go, <laughs> it is. It's like an out-of-the-box thinker that mm-hmm. you have there for you. Right.
1: You know, I um, that I, I really like that you brought that up because... I, you know, one of the things, so for, in terms of being your own advocate, yes, we want people to be their own advocate. And at the same time, when you have a serious illness, it's really hard. It's good to have someone there. But no, yeah, and you, you have to learn. You
0: learn how to advocate for yeah, yourself yeah. by watching yeah. someone who can take you through those steps and just yes. knowing where yes. you have the ability to say, right. I'm not sure. But yes. to have someone who that is their focus in their yes. work and yep. their fo- and their focus is you.
1: Yes, exactly. Right. And yes. So, and I'm not worried about whether the doctor feels insulted or not. I don't yeah. really
0: care. No, um, I don't either. So, I, you know what? Yeah. I mean, but that's <laughs> that's because you do what you do, and I watch my father working his office, and I sort of, you know. Yeah. But you know yeah, what? They'll live. They'll, they'll live. live. Yeah. But also, it's also watch a patient advocate in the hospital. They befriend the healthcare team, oh, the nurses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you are, if you are gonna teach anyone anything, make sure, you know, how many times, Seema, if I like you know, they're busy. They have too many people, as we've experienced, nurses taking care of. Yes. Well, you know what? I will say, we'll come to the front and go, just tell me where the ice is and I'll get some more ice exactly. for the patient. Yes. They're like, no, no. I said, please don't. It's just ice. Or could you tell me where their warm blankets are? I'll bring that to her. Because then that nurse, that healthcare team member knows, oh, good. They have some understands. Yeah. They're going to help me. And then I can help My patient and do what I'm supposed to be doing. Yes,
1: exactly. Right? Yes. So, yeah, it it really does. It makes a difference. It does. So, in terms of the thinking out of the box, outside the box, I have always said medicine is really algorithmic. And we are taught in medicine that you want to slot people into the algorithm as quickly as you can because that then tells you exactly what you need to do what are they how do you treat them and you know what do you do with the next steps so that's great but the people that i see don't fit into the algorithms right and so
0: there those I, cases in the new york times that people just go right, i exactly. don't know what to do i, I have no idea i yes. think they're making it up it's yes. like
1: no 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 <laughs> i love those and i love when i can figure out what's the matter before we get to the end but anyway um so I, you know, doctors at this point, they are so stressed and pressed for time that they don't have time to think about what else could this be, but I can, you know, that's what I do. What else could this be? I can look at, you know, like here's a symptom this person has, and I can look it up and see what are all the options for diseases that that is a symptom of? And then I can look at those diseases and say, well, what about the other things going on? Does that fit? So I can develop what we call a differential diagnosis, which is where, what are the things that this could be and how does it fit? And I actually do these. I make these documents for people like, here's the, here's the potential diagnoses. Here's what fits. Here's what doesn't fit. Here's the testing that you've had that either rules this out or makes us wonder, Could do we need to do more work to... To, um, to figure out if this is actually what's going on and where do we get that? So I have the, I have the time to let my mind wander through the information and think outside the box. Your poor doctor is seeing too many patients in too short a time and they can't always do that. They just can't. They want to, but they cannot.
0: And so we can help them. And this is where patient advocacy for chronic conditions really comes into play. I yep. think it makes a big difference. Um, I will make sure that I have Seema's website up there. Uh, Seema, say your website just in case somebody's scribbling.
1: Okay. Healthcareadvocacypartners.com.
0: And realize also, as I'm going to just sidebar, that Patient ethics can work out of state. Find out. Sometimes oh, yes. they work a couple of states, sometimes they work farther. Just make sure what the rules are and, and what the deal is in your state. Um, because you'd be surprised, you know, if you're looking for someone like a Semicon, MD for complex medical. You know what, you could be on the West Coast and you could give her a call. I mean, you know, you can find her at healthcareadvocacypartners.com and contact her. We always offer an opportunity to speak to us for a little bit of time and see if it's a good fit and also find out what you need. So, you know, this is the opportunity as we go into, you know, a new year and we look at things that we can um make a difference with, well, yes. your healthcare is important. So there's lots of, lots of people who is, are out there who can help you with a chronic illness, a chronic diagnosis. And that's my pleasure of doing this. Seema, thank you so much. You are so welcome. I it's really been fun. <laughs> I know it's yeah, I always love speaking to you Hi, I learned so, tips, I yeah. learned so much from you oh, so I you. I do I do I do <laughs> and I just want to make sure that people know you know next week we're going to have another person I'm going to have a, a team of people who are in nutrition we have already speaking to, oh. spoken to one person but when you're looking for a gluten-free when you're looking for certain food plans that help you I still want you guys to keep in you know being inspired and Going out there and finding a, the best patient advocate for yourself, finding a good health and wellness coach, if that's something you're ready to make lifestyle shifts. And you know what? You'd be surprised how much you know in your head. So that gut instinct, go with it. Yep. And on that note, Sima, have a good day. And it has been a pleasure as always.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure for me too. Thanks so much. Sure. Take care. Learning Curves 2.0. We'll see you next time.